Welcome to Everything Leftover, our podcast on HBO's The Leftovers. My name is Justin Blizzard. The coolest last name <laughs> that an employee in GameStop has yeah, ever heard. Boy, yeah. Uh, and I'm here with Keith Krepko, and we are going to talk about episode nine, titled 1013. Mm-hmm. Uh, an episode all about. Meg and Tommy. Uh, what'd you think? <laughs> I guess I should say, I will talk about it now. We just finished recording a podcast uh, with the Best of Three crew, or Rob and Guy from Best of Three, and Phil from Film Beef and Death to DVR. So uh, we've just spent the past hour already talking about the leftovers. So some of this might be retread if you if you've already listened to that. If you haven't listened to it, be sure to check it out and listen to it. Um, but let's try and cover maybe some stuff. Well, I guess we'll talk more about this episode in, right. in particular because we didn't really cover it that much in that in that uh, what we just talked about. Mm-hmm. So episode nine is all about Meg. We get her we get her story from. I guess really from before even the first season started mm-hmm. all the way up to present day. Mm-hmm. Um, she gets turned into the big bad by the end of the episode. Liv, Liv Tyler was great in it. I'll give, I'll Do you give like her Liv that. Tyler. You like I, her acting? Well, I thought that she did a good job of this. There, there were, there are moments where she just has to stare and convey menace. And I thought that she actually did really well, especially given what she normally does on screen, which is not convey menace. So I have to say in terms of the acting of the episode, well, in terms of Meg's character, I thought it was really strong. In terms of the episode itself, I thought it kind of showed the seams of leftovers in kind of the worst ways that leftovers can kind of move their characters around mm-hmm. and move the story in a way that feels very contrived and based on coincidence. Um, and just based on where they want the character to go more than where the character would maybe naturally go. And then also the episode represented the, the thing that has annoyed me the most about this season, which up front I want to address that maybe it hasn't been clear but I do like this season. Right. Um, and so I, I I am a fan of the show. I will say that pretty openly. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have issues with the show, but that doesn't mean that I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Having said that, this structure of moving the narrative forward and then taking two steps back in the very next episode to give you the same timeline from a different character's point of view is something that I hope that they completely abandon if they get a season three and move forward. Season one had these focal point episodes on characters that I thought worked really well. That kind of broke out of the, mm-hmm. the natural movement of the episode or the season. But these flashbacks to different characters are not working, especially when it follows Tommy whose story hasn't made sense since he showed up in the diner to talk to his sister 
and not want to be told, you know, doesn't want it to be known that he's in town um, to now where he's joined the guilty remnant. Mm-hmm. I could care less about his Holy Wayne. Has that been abandoned? That. Like he's, is it, is it completely definitive <laughs> now that he does not have hugging powers if hugging powers exist? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not even like when, when he hugs Meg and Meg's like, I can do this for real. Oh, right, right. Yeah, it's that's the nail in the coffin of like, yeah, you're a charlatan. Uh, and I don't know if it was good acting or poor acting, but he did convey a guy who does not have the charisma to hug people's pain away. <laughs> he knocked that out of the park. So my biggest issue, I mean, yeah, the, it's, 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 it's a weird decision to have Meg sort of show up this late in the season and become a bad guy. I I feel like she's always been aggressive. She's always been sort of pushing boundaries, but she definitely shows up here and just goes, goes for it. Basically. My biggest question is, is why, why is she doing all of this? Why is she so upset? Why is she so sold out for the guilty remnants? mission of making people remember quote unquote when she has lost nobody in the departure her mom died the day before which from matt's insight we saw that she's so is 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 meg the sort of irrational extension of nora throwing a rock through erica's house right so i feel like nora is upset because she's not getting the recognition she wants for having this terrible tragedy. So she lashes out by throwing a rock through Erica's window. Is Meg just the extreme example of that? I I mean, I think part of that hopefully will be answered in season in the season finale. Having said that, I don't think that her character makes much sense. I don't know that you can answer that question based on what we've been given because when you look at what they did, it was almost like a scientific formula of we have a good character. Now, how do we make her bad? Well, let's first give her motivation. So the mother says, Meg, you're just someone who when you get something in your mind, there's no stopping you. So done. Now we, we've, yeah. we've put the fact that she's tenacious in there. And then we need to complicate her feelings about the departure since she didn't lose anybody. We'll have her mother die right before mm-hmm. um and give her a cocaine habit okay mm-hmm. <laughs> moving on mm-hmm. uh and then you have uh now let's have her throw a fake grenade in a bus full of children mm-hmm. um just to kind of hammer home this kind of nihilistic streak that is now burning through her um <clears throat> so other than a burning nihilism i will s- I-, I don't know that there's much to answer about her character. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, I do like the fact that she is working somewhat in, but now has moved beyond or above the guilty remnant. She's no longer identifying with their orthodoxy. She is kind of moving this quote unquote religion into a new phase of existence, mm-hmm. which is the natural progression of religions, right? That you have this thing that starts it, this idea, this person, this figure that then gets taken up by another figure 
and reinterpreted, repackaged, resold, or whatever else. Mm -hmm. And so it moves forward. So you kind of have Meg being the next iteration of the Guilty Remnant. And I like that she's operating in that kind of in-between space. So she's not, she doesn't care about being silent. She's calling out the Guilty Remnant leadership to be like. She doesn't care about being violent. Right. Right. She doesn't care about being violent. So she's moving above and beyond their doctrine. Um, And I find that interesting as a concept. Now her as a character, again, it doesn't make much sense when you look at her in season one and then you look at her now over the intervening two years that's happened, not even two years. Um, You know, unless there's another tragedy that they're hiding or unless she's just been like, uh, I just imagine her in between seasons, just like, knocking ice cream cones out of kids' hands constantly uh, as her descent down into uh, the big bad mm-hmm. of season two. I still just don't understand the guilty remnants drive. I don't understand what they're trying to do. I mean, I I know what they're trying to do, but I don't understand why they're trying to do it. It doesn't make any sense to me. And... It makes even less sense when you apply it to a town that has nothing to remember, right? They had no departures. So why are they being forced? There's that you're going to force them to remember that nothing happened to them. You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. And I guess that is why they've stayed out of Jarden. And, you know, Meg is the defectors trying to get in. But the whole, I was happy to be more or less done with the guilty remnant in the second season. Just because that group to me is more interesting as a, as sort of a background player as a, as sort of like seasoning for the world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. Rather than this huge maniacal entity that's torturing everybody. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it kind of forces you. So if you look at like, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? And Tolkien wants to have an elvish language. Well, he can either just create gibberish for what he wants his characters to say, mm-hmm. or he can develop a whole new language to give these characters. Mm-hmm. Tolkien created a whole language to give these characters. Right. He he wanted the world to be cohesive and work and to establish the rules so you didn't feel the writer pulling the strings that you felt like this world is inhabited by these characters mm-hmm. who are operating have have a have a veneer of operating independent of a writer because they got their own language, right? Mm-hmm. And I just feel like and there's not enough time in our current state of television to do that but i wonder if you asked damon lindelof could he on his own articulate a cohesive doctrine for the guilty remnant i wonder if they have thought beyond they just want people to remember and they smoke and they do whatever else Mm -hmm. right like are they just an amalgamation of what they need these people to be and that's as far as they've dug into it or have they actually created like, no, these are the tenets of this faith. 
This is who started it. Mm-hmm. This is that would all be backdropping or backdropping background or or backdrop. Um, but it would allow that depth to be there. And I just feel like they didn't do that work <laughs> and they don't have a fully articulate and it comes out, it comes through and it, and I think it comes through in, in these little moments where the guilty remnant season two, have you felt this too? They're all kind of throwing their hands up. Even the leadership are kind of like, you do what you're told. Why? I mm-hmm. don't know. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, well, they don't seem to be too motivated. I mean, I think that's where the conflict between them and Meg comes. They seem completely content with just having their people stand around, smoke, and hold signs up, whereas Meg wants to do something. Mm-hmm. So that's where the conflict between them comes in. But again, I just don't. I, I just, I, I just don't understand the guilty remnant. I guess. Uh so we see that the girls have joined the guilty remnant. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the motivation behind that? Like, I, I mean, I guess it's disillusionment. I, I think kind of the same feeling you started to get with Michael, although it kind of felt like Michael's started when the girls disappeared. So I don't know when Evie's would have started, mm-hmm. but I imagine it. I imagine it would be as simple as sort of like teenage rebelliousness, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, that would be like really underwhelming Mm -hmm. as the reason for a season finale. Mm -hmm. So I'm not really sure what to expect. At first, I thought it was going to be as simple as, oh, this RV is going to be full of explosives and they're just going (laughs) to blow this bridge up, right? Right. But it seems to be something different. I don't know what that different is going to be, though. Like, what can Meg do with these three girls? Right. So I think there's there's a few things. Number one, I think Evie, that's her name, right? Mm-hmm. I think she just wanted more knock-knock jokes. She, just, <laughs> she wanted to up her joke game, uh-huh. and so she just went to Meg. Um, but I think I, I was kind of underwhelmed because, again, there's no context for the action. Right? Like, we don't know why they did that. And will we get it answered in the next, in the season finale? Mm-hmm. I hope so. And I kind of hope not. Because I don't want them to do the structure again of being like, hey, here's the timeline now from Evie's perspective of what she's experienced going back and doing that. I just want the story to move forward. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I don't know why she would join the Guilty Remnant doesn't make sense. I don't know why she'd run naked through the woods. Um, those are still well, we've mysteries. we've covered that before. She's a teenager. It's what they do. Right, exactly. It's 2015. Everyone's running <laughs> naked in the woods, Mom. Um, so uh, the other thing that I'll say is the I've heard a few theories on what they're going to do okay. from the bridge. So number one, everyone thinks blow it up. Right. Not going to happen. So my first thought was blow it up because when she has the confrontation with Matt, Mm -hmm. she says something along the lines of what do you want or why is everybody waiting out here? here? Yeah, we're waiting for it. So I got the impression she's going to blow up the bridge and let everybody run in. No, yeah, because, because again, we kind of talked about that before. But these people seem to be fulfilling a role where they're at. They seem to be, they're not 
really trying to like sneak right. and get in. Um, <clears throat> so what I read, one theory, is that they're going to commit suicide on the bridge. The three girls. They're going to hang themselves. Uh-huh. Hang themselves? Why mm-hmm. so specifically hang themselves? Because it's using the bridge. Oh, I see. Right. Mm-hmm. So the bridge is where, you know, everyone, like everyone will see it and they will do a conscious act. And I just read a interesting article in the Atlantic about a rash of suicides in Silicon Valley. Um, and they profiled this one high school and there's a, a mini, I don't know if to call it an epidemic, um, but of suicides, mm-hmm. especially in affluent children who feel the this pressure mm-hmm. um, in from their parents, from their affluence, and they can't cope with it, you know? And that's part of the reason. That's not the reason they commit suicide, but it's part of the makeup. And um, maybe this season wants to try to address some of that, right? Mm-hmm. Why do kids who seemingly have it all commit suicide or or aren't able to be well adjusted as you would expect them to be mm-hmm. and so here could be an example of that where they're from jordan everything's perfect everything's great they weren't departed but they don't want it anyway mm-hmm. so that's probably the most likely theory if i was pushed that they're going to kill themselves what what else? It's not going to be blow up the bridge. Well, well, that's the that's the that's the question. I mean, I, I was listening to the Channel Thirty Three podcast again, and again, it's Chris Ryan and somebody else. I can't remember the other guy's name, but they have they do have good conversations. The leftovers and this last one they were talking about. I can't remember if they had read this or if they were just talking with somebody, but in the is the is do the girls disappear in the first episode? Uh no, not in the first. So whenever the girls disappear, the 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 this this person questioned what would be the most dramatically rich outcome for the show, for the storytelling out of out of that when the girls disappear. And so there's only a few things that could have happened. They could have departed. Mm-hmm. They could have been taken by somebody. And sewn to a human centipede. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's one option. I'm just, I'm just saying sure. options. Sure. I'm just helping sure. with options. Um, <laughs> or they could have uh, voluntarily disappeared. And they determined that the most dramatically rich of those three would be that they have voluntarily disappeared. They have chosen to leave. That makes the most sense... Dramatic wise, mm-hmm. it makes the most sense for the story. You can do much more with that than you could do with the, just a kidnapping or yeah. with them just disappearing in the departure. Yep. So I thought that was an interesting way to look at it. I don't see. I don't see the suicide thing just because that would be. To me, it's on the same level as Meg blowing up a bus of school children. Like at no point did I ever think that that grenade was real because I 
because I know in a million years HBO is not going to show somebody blow up a bus full of screaming school children. This is not going to happen. So it, with that same line of thinking, I don't think that they're going to show these three girls hang themselves just because that is really dark. That is really, really dark. Like people want to say the leftovers is dark. It is not that dark. Okay. Well, what if their their plan gets foiled? I also that was their intention. But I also don't see like okay. So the three girls hang themselves. That's the end of the line for that storyline. It goes no further because they're dead. So now you just get a completely despondent John Murphy and Murphy family. The girls are dead, so who cares about them anymore? You know what I mean? It just doesn't go forward from that point. Well, th- think about this. In, in taking that kind of dramatically rich story, what, what would be the best way to bring down the, which is what they're building up, the false narrative of Jarden and Miracle? You would agree that this whole season has been, this place is a sham. It's not, you're not as safe as you think you are if you come here. That's been said. I mean, I don't know what the theme of well, this that, season well, is. That, that's been said time and time again by different characters outright at the last town hall. But just as many characters have said, it's the, Matt thinks it's the real, just as many characters think it is the real. Not, not just as many. The people who are living there, right, are ju- just, from the mo- just from the moment where John Murphy's wife, what's her name? Erica. Erica. So from the moment where Erica's like, yeah, I can smell the booze on your breath to the, to the mother of one of the, the, the missing girls, um, to her confronting everybody in the town hall, um, to all the various other characters who are selling their water mm-hmm. to these tourists who don't really seem to be believing in the product. They're just kind of out there trying to make some money and whatever else. Like, I think that this season has been slowly peeling away the false facade of Jordan. So I, to me, that's what it is. And my thought is how do you peel it all back and expose it for what it is? That it's not a safe place. But how does three girls killing themselves do that? How does it prove that Jordan isn't safe? Because they're from Jordan. I mean, these are the people who were spared. These are the night. The they're the ones who, who chant together. We are the blah blah blah. We are the chosen, right? That's their that's their call. That's their identity. And for three of them to then opt out and say, "We are from you," and we are also throwing it back in your faces mm-hmm. and being like, "We don't want it," is a complete and utter dismantling of. Jordan as a town, as an idea, as a concept. I just don't see it. I mean, but then what's the point of them joining the guilty remnant? Why don't they just go to the bridge and hang themselves? Well, yeah, because the guilty remnant are are offering that that possibility, that opportunity. They're offering that exposure. Yeah, that celebrity. Yeah, well, they're they're giving them the 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 uh, the platform right. to do it. Or the bridge. The bridge to do it. Uh, what else happened in this episode that was worth talking about? So um, she goes and uh, Meg visits Isaac and uh-huh. gets a, a real reading. 
mm-hmm. and is said, told, whatever it is that begins to turn her. Mm-hmm. Because up until then, she's been going to see a lot of these psychics, trying to find the answer to her question, which is, what was my mother going to say? Mm-hmm. And she is putting some value, some stock in what her mother was going to say. And Isaac pretty much says, it's stupid. You don't want to, it's not even worth. Mm -hmm. And so he apparently says, tells her, and she loses it and ends up spitting on Jarden before she leaves. Mm -hmm. And that is the seed of her hatred for this whole (laughs) town and what it represents. Mm -hmm. Did that play real to you, honest to you, to her character? In terms of <clears throat> of being a catalyst for why she might oh, want to no. burn I mean, Jordan no, to the no, ground, no. but 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 that's uh, that's a it's a lo- that's a larger issue with Meg than just that scene. I just like I said before, I I have no idea w- why she's so upset about all this stuff. I, I I guess she is supposed to be like I said. I guess she's supposed to be the extreme version of what Nora was feeling in that episode, mm-hmm. but I don't see that. I don't see that feeling getting to that extreme of a level except for in someone who is mentally unstable, which up until this episode, Meg was not that person. Well, the fact that she joined the Guilty Remnant shows that she's somewhat unstable. Uh, I mean, maybe, but in in that universe, thousands of people yes. have joined the Guilty Remnant. Yeah. And they're not she's, all psychopathic child bus threateners. So what about the uh, boy that she commanded them go stone? Yeah, that's just, it's another, I guess it's a callback to what they did to Gladys. Do you think they stoned him? Sure. So you don't think Tommy dropping the rock and walking towards them maybe culminated in him? Getting them to spare I mean, look, his life. You said yourself in the best of three podcasts, Tommy is not a leader of men. He's not going to walk up to a group of bloodthirsty stoners <laughs> and convince them not to stone somebody. No, yeah. I mean, you could try and hug their pain away. Maybe. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I think that was nothing more than just another look at how evil this girl so, this so you think, is. So you think Tommy has seen that boy be stoned and is sure still staying there sure why does i mean again why does tommy do anything that he does and i i don't think i don't i think it i think you'd be hard pressed at least from my perspective to find any sort of consistent logical reasoning in any of the characters in this show kevin tommy i mean Nora and Matt are probably the exceptions. Everybody else to me has felt like just a, a a total puppet for whatever they want the story to tell. I 100% agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope, like, here are the things that I hope that they answer, and it's not the departure, but why did Nora leave Kevin? It doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense that she's like, tell me all your secrets and we'll share everything together and oh my goodness you're seeing patty i'm out of here 
right? Like that to me doesn't doesn't hold water. Um the how Meg turned to this, I still don't buy it. She definitely feels like, hey, we got this idea for Meg. How do we get her from point A to point B? Well, let's add these four scenes and that'll be enough. Um, but all they've done is they've gone from like one to 11 in one episode and been like, see, she's bad. Yeah. And, and it's too, it's too quick. Um, so there's that. What about Meg going on the road trip with Tommy? And when she was asked why she forcibly screwed him, uh, she said to get you pregnant. To get her pregnant? No, remember, she's like, to get you pregnant. Well, well, I have to be uh, honest. You were not in the room. I was, I f- was a little in and out for this episode. <laughs> I was very tired, and I may have dozed off a little bit. So I missed that line. I'll tell you the two things I missed, because <laughs> I've heard people talk about this. I missed that line, mm-hmm. and I missed the, her cell phone ringing and it being a chirping sound. A cricket. A cricket, which is obviously what John was hearing in the first episode. What, Kevin? No, no, no. Yeah, John. yeah. What, what, what John? Which, yeah. I, which I wish I had seen because it seemed like a neat tie-in. But like I said, yeah. I, I, may, I think I dozed off during that. Um, uh, so you have nothing to say because you don't, because you're, you're sure. Speaking. I didn't see it. I mean, I guess I would say to impregnate him with the idea of the guilty remnant of like joining her, uh, you know, of just her worldview in general, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I felt like it was just another attempt to, to deepen her character. Yeah. Um, and it, and it didn't, and it didn't work out that she's, she's nihilist. She, she's a nihilist, right? She's that's yeah. That's what I was going to say. She is, she is just anarchy, right? Right. Right. Personified. And, and, right. And the problem with that is, at least for me, anarchy is not an interesting narrative device because, again, it's the same thing with the crazy thing. There's no reasoning to follow. There's nothing to sort of grab onto and say and, and relate to or say, you know, I can follow this because it is works in a logical. It just is like it, it more or less just ends up because you can't. You can't, you know, you can't write a, a character you're writing can't be uh, anarchy personified, right? Because you're writing it like mm-hmm. at, at some point it's coming down. You're still controlling that character. So it at some point it's just going to feel like a writer's hand moving the narrative around to to fit whatever they want to do. Right. So to right. me, that's just it's I can't I can't get past that. I can't see past. They're just trying to do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess, I guess my final question for you is the baby carrot line. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit. I don't know if you remember this line. Yeah. From this moment from lost, but in the, in the, in the first season of lost, right? So Marco and I, watched the entire first season of lost on a portable DVD player <laughs> when we were camping out in Mississippi. Right. Uh-huh. 
and we came across this scene and it is is one of those it's a scene that is like it is stuck with me 10 years later however long that was longer than that um and it's it it's like a scene that we still joke each other about there's a scene in the first season of lost where the lord of the rings guy offers the pregnant girl an imaginary jar of peanut butter Oh, and they start I remember dipping that. their fingers in it and eating it. Yes. It's one of the cringiest things I've ever yeah. seen in my life. <laughs> and that's what the baby carrot scene reminded me of. Oh, it's that's obviously gr- not on that level, but it is in the that's same good. vein. That, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I had the same reaction to that. And that, to me, was the best example of your why is that there just because it's there mm-hmm. argument to be made. That it just why was that put there? Because they're baby carrots, mm-hmm. and I want to see Liv Tyler eat a baby carrot. Yeah, yeah. So let's we're gonna a little bit of a shorter show this week because, like I said, we talked about most of the stuff we wanted to talk about on the Best of Three podcast. But I wanted to close the show by talking about a comment that was left on our website. The uh, comment was left by someone who goes by the name Gil. <laughs> it is a public comment, so I, I feel fine reading this on the podcast. I have reached out to Gil by replying to his comment, but I also emailed him because as the you know owner of the website, I can see the email address that the people use to leave the comment. So I emailed him to try and get some more feedback, just, you know, sort of see what he was thinking, but I haven't heard anything back yet. So I'm going to read this comment uh, verbatim. These are his words, and we can discuss it a little bit. Gil writes, stop reviewing a show that you hate. It's retarded and a waste of your time and ours. Gross. You are both wasting your lives and intentionally watching and reviewing a show that you don't understand and <laughs> obviously hate. Congrats, you've out-hipstered the hipsters. Now please destroy yourselves. Um, before we get into the comment proper, I just want to say that like, at this point, not that hipsters ever meant anything to begin with, but at this point, it's one of those terms that like, it's so meaningless and it's become like all it all all that hipster is at this point is it all it's just a word that people use to describe somebody they don't like right it is it, it means absolutely nothing right all right i just wanted to establish that yeah yeah hipster has lost all cultural kind of connection at this yeah. point it is just a nebulous term that has vague notions of handlebar mustaches and Skinny jeans and skateboards and stuff. Yeah. So to address Gil's comment a little bit, I just wanted to say that. Thanks for the comment. I mean, hey. I mean, yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. If you've made it this far, and especially if you're listening to this, right? (laughs) I mean, you're really sticking it out. But what I'll say is if you're listening to this and you've had those feelings listening to this. Stop listening to the podcast, right? 
don't listen anymore. Like if you're listening to this and getting so upset that you're telling people to kill themselves, not that I think he's serious about that or honestly feels that, then stop listening to the podcast, right? If you're looking for a podcast that is nothing but positive, all they want to do is talk about how much they love the show. There are plenty of leftovers podcasts that you can listen to and there's nothing wrong with that go listen to those the podcasts that we do i even the things that i love i am critical about just because that's what i like to that for me that makes an interesting conversation i don't find conversations interesting they're just two people gushing endlessly about something i like to hear the criticism i like to hear uh to a degree nitpicks you know what i mean that to me just makes a dynamic of uh, uh, a dynamic of one person feeling this way and somebody feeling a different way to me makes a more interesting conversation not that that's what we're doing on purpose it mm-hmm. just so happens to have worked out that way but i always i i tend to lean towards criticism because i think it helps me First of all, refine the things that I like about what I like, but it just makes for a more interesting conversation. But uh, the the base of what I want to say is if you if you if you've listened to two and three fourths of a season's podcast of this and that's what you've come away from, <laughs> like you should have stopped listening a long time ago. Not that we don't appreciate you listening, but like do things in your life that you enjoy. Don't listen to something that you don't enjoy. Maybe they enjoy getting this upset and writing comments. <laughs> well, that could be. Um, and, 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 you know, with that being said, I've been really frustrated with the show this season. I continue to be frustrated with it. You like the show. Yes. Right? So you're kind of being lumped in with me unfairly in this. Because you like the show, you're still able you're you're able to criticize something and still like it mm-hmm. and still talk about it constructively. Um, I feel like it's you know I took this uh, this comment as as just a, a proof of my lack of of an ability to articulate myself. Sure, and say like I enjoy the show. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a good show. I definitely have issues with it, um, but. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I I I do object to being lumped in with you and hipsters. Uh, and what about um? Oh, never mind. I never mind. Yeah, and I won't destroy myself <laughs> yet. Yeah, let's see how the finale goes. Right. Uh, and to follow up on that, we have a new comment that I feel like is the more constructive version of Gil's comment. <laughs> so we got a new review from Serena 2014 titled haters, but intelligent. Uh, I just finished watching and listening to season one. These guys are highly critical of the show, but successfully point out the many inconsistencies between the characters, behaviors, and scripts, clicking storylines and messages. They definitely have not drank the leftovers Kool-Aid. If you need a place to work out the show's contradictions, these guys verbalized very well the confusion that's probably in your head so i want to say thank you for that comment 
I want to say thank you to Gil for listening. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, if you're still listening, maybe take a break. <laughs> maybe, you know, there's maybe there's other leftovers podcasts you would enjoy more than ours. Like sincerely, uh, because I don't want anybody listening to this to come away from it angry. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. With that being said, something that, you know, I, well, I think what we like to try and foster is we're not trying to do like a professional, like this could be on television show about the leftovers. We're trying to have a conversation that we would be having on the couch, you know, after a family dinner on our own, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'm not, we're not trying to, you know, sort of package this as something that can be marketing material for the leftovers, right? We just want, and I'm, I'm not trying to condescend to anybody, right? I don't want to sound condescending. I, I'm just saying that's what we're trying to do. There are plenty of podcasts out there who are, who love the show and who love talking about it and are great talking about it. Go listen to that. All we're trying to do is just more or less have the conversation you would have with any of your other friends when you think nobody else is listening. You know what I mean? And that probably sounds a little pretentious, but I I mean, that's all we're trying. We're just trying to have a normal conversation, the normal conversation that we would regularly have about the show. Right. I, I, I think we try and strip away as much artifice as, as possible as we can. Um, and clothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Gil, I've sent you an email, buddy. Email me back. <laughs> right? I want to know, you know, I want to know what's going on. But, you know, if you don't want to, at least stop listening to the show and yeah, move, maybe move on. <laughs> yeah, either comment or don't. But yeah. make one decision either way. A hard, a hard yes or a hard pass. Right. And I think you did a, a a good job pointing out in your comment on the website of the irony of uh leaving a comment about a show leaving a comment accusing the host of uh not understanding and hating a show and then your comment is all about hating and not, not understanding, understanding the podcast that you're t- listening to. Right. I thought it was that was funny, and I, I honestly, I, I, I'm not trying to be patronizing or condescending either. I mean, hey, if we're doing a terrible job, let us know. Sure, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, but if it's just because we don't like the show, right? And you like the show so much, it makes you angry that we don't yeah. like the show. You might need to, you know, reevaluate. Yeah, like, like take just take a few steps back. It's all right if other people don't like the thing you don't like. Um, and with that being said, you like the show, right? (laughs) That's what's so confusing about it. All right. Anyway, so that's the show. Uh, my name is Justin Blizzard. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Blizzard with nine Z's. Keith Krepko at things come right. Uh, and we will be back next week. The show next week is an hour and 15 minutes long. What do you think about that? I think that we got double that with our podcast (laughs) times. So yeah, we'll be back next week. And I think that will probably just be the last show. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll figure that out between now and then. So we will see you next week.